What's going on, FCS football fans? This is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hasek, and to my left, the fired-up czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, man. What's going on? Why are you going to try to put me on blast like that? Well, you know what? We're, we're both fired up a little bit today. There's a lot of traffic in the New York area. You know how that gets to you. The bridges are under construction, folks. It's a nightmare. Just don't drive around 9 a.m. around New York. Folks, this is our CAA pregame show leading into CAA week. It's one of the big ones. It might be the biggest one. Eh, you can debate about that one by yourselves. But, folks, in order to keep track of all the stuff we're, go- we're going through here, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the FCS Kickoff, at FCS Opening Drive, and at FBall Game Plan for my man Emery. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Search football game plan in the podcast section and while you're there subscribe to us give us a five-star rating while you're there go to youtube.com slash football game plan for all your football game plan content and of course footballgameplan.com where emery's got everything i mean everything on lock so emery let's get right into it here it's our caa conference pregame show third conference of the season already and this is one of the big ones obviously I mean, where do we start with the CAA? Obviously, we could talk about JMU, but this is a conference from top to bottom that is really the biggest on depth. It really is, man. And we talked a little bit about it uh, off air of how good the conference was last year. Um, you know, only two teams. And again, you have teams that were five and six, five and six, four and seven, but really only two teams with, with I would call bad losing records. And right. even one of them, Rhode Island, was in a lot of games and they were three and eight. So even then they were competitive and they were good. William and Mary, we'll talk about them later. But this was a good conference top to bottom. James Madison, the uh, FCS runner up, yep, last year fourteen and one. They played fifteen games last year. Man, this is. I mean, and Stony Brook played thirteen games. Yeah, and we there. You know, you have the impressive play of Joe Carbone, who stepped up big time. Was a a huge liability prior to last year where he was a big time asset so yes we've seen teams turn around we've seen teams you know just jump up and be competitive this conference as a whole no one really wants to face teams out of this conference which is why they have so many playoff participants we were, we were talking to our producer mike mccarthy before the show and he, he compared it to the big 10 right where anybody outside of maybe indiana or Rutgers or maryland can beat anybody on any given day even if nebraska's having a down year they can beat ohio state maryland if, did beat texas too shout out to maryland shout out to maryland the the terps or whatever you want to call them but it, it's it, it is a conference where you look at it and you're like wait a minute why are all these good players not from the big schools you know you expect jmu to have good players but then you're looking at the top wait a minute richmond why unh okay i can understand. albany why is Albany in here? But then you're like, oh, that's why Albany is here. Let's talk about 2017 in this conference. Four teams made the playoffs. Three definitely deserve to be there. You can debate about the fourth. JMU, of course, the... You starting early, man. <laughs> I, I can't turn back course now. I can't do this. JMU, of course, the runner-up, lost to North Dakota State in the championship game. Stony Brook and Elon, tremendous seasons out of really nowhere. Again, this is how good this conference is. A team like Elon can come from the depths and almost win the conference. They could have won it on the final day. And UNH made the playoffs with, I, I don't know how, but they did. And they won a couple games in the postseason, so you have to give them credit for that. Um, Delaware and Richmond missed the playoffs despite Richmond having a third-round draft because their quarterback in Kyle Lawletta. And Delaware really kind of getting robbed uh, just because of the preseason rankings. Talk about this 2017, and how does a te- how do teams like Richmond and like uh, Stony Brook and Elon, I should say, 
get this high up? I mean, nobody saw that coming at the beginning of the season. First of all, with Elon, Coach Signetti, outstanding coach. coming Fantastic. from Yeah, coming from IUP, um, which was a perennial power in the PSAC. Shout out to the PSAC. Uh, was just added. We were talking about West Virginia um, before the show. We just talked about traveling through West Virginia. <laughs> the PSAC just added Shepard. Okay. who won a national championship a couple of seasons ago. Um, they're going to be back in the PSAC, leaving the Mountain 10, I believe, the Mountain East or whatever. Um, so shout out to West Virginia, shout out to the PSAC. But that's where Coach Signetti came from, one of the perennial powers with the Mountain Hawks, and goes to Elon. And again, no one thought Elon was going to be anything but a team that was maybe going to be five and six, something like that. You knew they had a good running game, you knew they had yeah. good defense, but – they were legit good last year. They had a nice run um, to start the season before they went on that three-game losing streak. But I will say this. You know, this conference, as good as it was last year, they were good in spite a lot of injuries. Yeah. You talk about uh, Richmond had some injuries. You talk about Delaware losing Charles Bell, the linebacker. You talk about Villanova. Everybody got hurt. At Villain. Rob Rowe got hurt. He was he was going to be a draft pick. He's going to be a draft pick this year. Uh, well, you know, 2019. Um, they get him back. They lost Big Narzik, the quarterback. They lost a lot of pieces. Villanova got hurt. They got hurt. Time. And they were they were still five and six. Towson, just like Villanova, lost everybody. And they were five and six. So despite the injuries, and we know about Albany losing their running back, uh, Ibutok and Hanks. Um, right. So, yeah, a lot of team suffered injuries in this conference and still were able to put together solid seasons. So now that these guys are back, we may see another competitive race top to bottom in this in this conference. Absolutely. And you talk about, you know, the talent coming out. We had three FCS draft picks out of this conference last year. You had Kyle Lawletta, uh, the quarterback from Richmond, was taken by the Giants. Uh, Bilal Nichols, the D-tackle from Delaware, went to the Bears uh, in the fifth round. And we had a draft pick from Maine. Uh, Jamil Demby going to the Rams for the O tackle. Shout out to Jamil Demby, big fan of the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube. Told me that personally at the NFL Combine. So shout out to Jamil Demby. Jamil, I, I, we see you. We see you. I mean, we wish you the best of luck too because you are going to scare some people with that size. Six five, three thirty five, folks. This, this can't is play a, guard or tackle. This too. is a mountain. This isn't a man. This is a mountain. Um, but you talk about the the overall talent in this conference and some of the best players that we saw statistically weren't even drafted. You saw, I mean, you could literally have taken the entire secondary from JMU. Right. And obviously you got two of them coming back for their senior seasons, which is going to be a huge plus for them. But how did JMU have no one drafted while getting to the championship game? And it really speaks to how good this team is as a whole, as a unit. It's not about one person. It's about the whole unit. Yeah, they're going to have some draft picks. I think they should have some draft picks this year in the secondary at running back. they got two tremendous tailbacks. And you talk about the guy last year, Raven Green, who was their safety. He's in a good situation where he could actually make the roster and make an impact. He's with the Packers. So that was a guy that had ball skills. But, yeah, you're right. That secondary was phenomenal. The running game was outstanding. The offensive line is going to be the question mark this year a little bit for JMU. But And and obviously the quarterback. They lose Brian Shore, whose play was a big reason why they were in those – those championship games and, and were able to really bring this program to to new heights. But yep. again, a lot is returning. The recruiting they do down there is is phenomenal. And and JMU has really become that team where, hey, you see them on a schedule, FBS or FCS, you don't want to play them. 
you you get nervous. I mean, I, I they usually play a game against Virginia or Virginia Tech every year. I don't want to start schedule that game anymore if I'm those two programs. I don't want to start with a loss, especially Virginia, because they could easily take Virginia's place in the ACC right now if they wanted to. Let's be perfectly honest here. Shout out to the Cavaliers. Uh, my but, my cousin went to Tech, so I can't no, oh. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. So I might have had him as up there. But but I like that that whole Virg- you know, JMU, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Richmond, uh, William and Mary. That Virginia has, and all those guys I believe used to be in the same conference at one yeah. point in time. But um, J- William and Mary used to be that team. Yeah. Um, in the FCS that nobody wanted to face, like in the early '80s, when they were on the borderline of being an FBS team, they were, were yeah. an FBS team, and kind of was, you know, when there yeah. was that transition period. But now JMU has become that team that no one wants to face in this this FCS uh, subdivision. Virginia very underrated for college football. I mean, throw Hampton and Norfolk State into the mix too. You could throw in Virginia State. You could also throw in some Division three schools like uh, Bridgewater and um, Randolph Macon. Yeah. Another, is so. Emory Henry in Virginia? I think so. It, I think it is. So, Farron? So, no, that's North Carolina. That's North Carolina. But, but I do my I do know my uh, Virginia college football. Just just a little, just a little bit. bit. Nobody, everybody's searching. What is Bridgewater? What is Bridgewater? <laughs> but uh, let, let's talk about this. And you talked about 2018, how competitive this is going to be. Is I mean, there's always this debate, right? The MVC versus the CAA, best conference in FCS football. The argument, I think, strongly has to go to the CAA right now, just because top to bottom, anybody can beat it. I mean, look at last year. You had Albany, who was just awful, just absolutely awful, especially offensively. They shut out New Hampshire, who made the playoffs, which, again, shocked us, (laughs) one, after that kind of defeat, and two, in general. But this is a – I mean, the talent in this conference comes from everywhere. Your top running back in the conference last year came from Maine. (laughs) Your best returning quarterback is coming out of New Hampshire. You're, I mean, you've got the top tackler is coming back for his junior season, Quinlan Dean from New Hampshire as well. So, I mean, what 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 about this conference makes this a place where all this talent wants to go? Obviously, the MVC has their squads, and they're going to get some really good talent there as well. But what about what is it about this conference? Is it just because it's an Eastern conference that they get just that much more talent? It's where you locate it, man. Um, <laughs> just think about it. We we always talk about we we made this point last week for the Big South. You know, teams in Jersey, yep, Georgia, uh, now Alabama, yep, um, North Carolina. So anytime you 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 have teams that are southern based, you're gonna get talent. So right. that explains the JMU, the Elons, uh, the Richmonds. Uh, are we counting Maryland as? Because technically, that uh, you know, basically south of Mason Dixon, I yeah, mean, you, know. you can throw it in. I mean, it's more Mid Atlantic, though. That, yeah, yeah, it's Mid Atlantic. Anyway, anyway, but do you also have teams up north like Maine? For them to be as good, getting high school talent, you have that's a place where they're really isolated. Yeah, uh, but they get yeah. good talent in. Um, Stony Brook. We talked about New Jersey high school football. Even New York out there in the yeah. boroughs. You know, Brooklyn, Queens. Um, the Bronx produce a lot of good players, uh, so you you have talent even out there on on the island. So I, I think they are located in fertile recruiting territory. You better be good recruiting in yeah. these areas where they are. Exactly, and and you talk about you know this is the Northeast. This is why the defense in this conference is so good because you get these kids that are. You know, they're either, you know, the Northeast, which is, you know, we've got an attitude anyway, mm-hmm. or you got these kids coming out of Philadelphia, D.C., Baltimore, New York, all around the boroughs. 
that just don't care who you are, they're going to punch you in the mouth. So you look at defensively down the line, this team, if you're not from this conference, like if you took a team from the Southland even, who, you know, bombs the ball all over the place. Speed, yeah. They're going to get shut down by a team from the CAA, and it's just because of the type of kids that they're getting in. I mean, the MVC is, you know, you got it's the same thing. MVC, you look, and they're really good at O-line, O-line, D-line, because you got these big guys that are working on the farm. You know, working on you know on their family farms, they get as a scholarship, they take the opportunity, and they just run people off the field. It's the same thing with the CAA on defense. Yeah, and and to the point that the producer Mike made um, pre pre show was yeah, you know this kind of is like the Big Ten because of what yeah. you just described for the Missouri Valley. These teams are built the same way because down the line, you look at O line D line in this division. We talked about JMU. You talked about the the Defensive, you talk about the draft picks, but Andrew Anker was one of the top defensive players yep. that signed with the team uh, this year. Stony Brook constantly has an O line and a D line. Yep. You know, so the same can be said for New Hampshire. How well they play on the offensive line. Delaware had a defensive lineman drafted. Richmond is good on both sides of the line of scrimmage because, first of all, you have to get into Richmond yeah. uh, academically. Yes, and if we're being honest, a lot of the high academic student athletes are your offensive linemen. Yeah, so. You know, you're going to get an abundance. Villanova, good on both sides of the ball. Uh, constantly have guys getting drafted and, and making NFL rosters. Albany's offensive line was good for a tremendous stretch, which is why they're able to run the football. And William & Mary has been one of those programs that produces good O-linemen and D-linemen. So this conference is built the same way as the Missouri Valley, which is why those two conferences seem to have a lot of success long-term because you have to be able to control line of scrimmage. They can do that both here and also in a, a valley. Talk about William and Mary with academics too. You have to have yeah. real good academics to get into that school and play. Villanova too. So I, I mean, all these schools. Uh, that's the unique part about certain programs in this in this uh, this conference. Because yes, you have to be able to do it on the field, but off the field, you have to be able to sustain excellence, or yeah. you won't be there all four years. Exactly. And people always point, oh, the Ivy's that conference. No, 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 no. Look at some of these schools and try to get in, and you'll see how Ivy's a different is. animal. Ivy's a totally different animal. I mean, that's about kind of about who you know. But yeah. Still. Hey. Eh. You, you try to you try to you try to steer off you trying to veer off uh, to another conversation. <laughs> Not taking the bait. I, I tried, folks. I tried. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get him to give predictions. He won't do it on this show. Uh, but you talk about last year too. Just go back real quick. You Maine last year had the fourth best scoring offense in this conference. They averaged 24.6 points per game. That was number four, and yet that team had what three wins, four wins less than that yeah, last four and year. Six, yeah, four and six. So you talk about a team that can put up that many points, and again with the defense as good as they are, that team didn't even come close to the playoff picture. Which Not is even close. Which is why a lot of people are high on on Maine this season. Might be one in this room. Oh, see how I set you up for that? Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna get there. And, <laughs> so. I mean, this, and this this season is really going to be – it's going to be nuts. I mean, there's games up and down the schedule. And let's take a look at some of those big games that we've got circled on here. And you can look at games all the way from August to November in this conference that are going to dictate where these programs are going and where they're going to finish. And I'm going to start off with one on the first weekend of the season. UNH at UMaine on August 30th is the first – really the first game of the year in this conference – it's a rivalry game. They're playing for the musket. So, but this game, I think, could be a real good indicator of where both teams will finish. Because I, like you said, 
you mean they've got some nice pieces returning. UNH, of course, they got the determination to really earn their spot in the playoffs this year. That's going to be a tremendous game to watch. Yeah, because UNH has their quarterback coming back, Trevor Knight, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the in the subdivision. And yes, this is a test for the main Black Bears. Uh, the you know obviously they're going to be replacing some key pieces along the offensive line, Demby, uh, defensive line, replacing a couple of key pieces. So. Can this team get back to what we saw them two seasons ago from a defensive standpoint? And offensively, can they cut down on the turnovers? New Hampshire provides an interesting challenge because they can run the ball. Trevor Knight does a great job in, in being efficient in the passing game. He had one of the better seasons throwing the ball. Yep. So this game is a huge one, not only for the conference, but for also uh, playoff implications. Yeah. Because you want to have quality wins on your schedule. So I can agree with you there. Um, so I, I like that matchup. And, and talk about, you know, UNH running the ball. Maine had the only 1,000-yard rusher in the CAA last year, and that was sophomore Josh Mack, who ran for 1,300 yards. That's a lot. He's going into his junior year. And you talk about the fumble. You had three guys on Maine's defense who forced two fumbles apiece. Two of them were freshmen. One was a sophomore. So picture this. You have a team that turned the ball over a little bit, uh, but it was also good at forcing turnovers. Uh, but New Hampshire, you can't ignore – consistency no it's so no. hard to be consistent in college football and if you're in new hampshire what 12 straight playoff appearances yeah. so you have to give credit where credit is due that's a mindset so even when they are down yeah they find a way to figure it out and get back on the right track only good stable programs are able to do that i'm looking at a game uh you talked about the opening week but i'm looking at the first two games of the year for villanova they mm-hmm. are at Temple, yep. which is a you know city game. City game, um, and then they play a team in the same state in Lehigh. I had that Lehigh game looked at too because that's going to be a real good test for the defense. Offense versus defense. Now, Lehigh has one of the best quarterbacks in the subdivision in Brad Mays. A big fan of his game. Don Bragg alone, tremendous tailback, um, and they still have the ability to throw the football. But they'll be replacing. You know, Gatlin Casey, who transferred down to Middle Tennessee, or transferred up to Middle Tennessee, uh, they lost Pelletier, the receiver, um, and they lost some key pieces along the offensive line. So there are some questions about Lehigh, but we know they'll, they'll figure that out. They'll be able to score points. Can he stop people? Yeah. But Villanova, you know, is going to be – that's a test for them. Yeah. You know, because that's a, that's like a that's almost like playing a team in the South yeah. that has speed, that spreads you out, that throws the football. They work touchdown to check down. But Villanova getting everybody back. They can't overlook that game. Plus, they can't be too high or too low coming off of that Temple game the previous week. So right. those two games, I think, are huge for, for Villanova. Well, you're talking out-of-conference games. I want to talk about another out-of-conference test on uh, September 8th. And the questions, really one of the surprise teams last year was Elon. Nobody really saw Elon being as competitive as they were um, competing for the conference title. There's some questions of whether or not they're going to be up there again this year. We're going to get a good answer, I think, on September 8th. They're playing at home against Furman. Furman is always going to give you a test coming out of the SOCON. I want to see what Elon can do there. You know, how much have they really lost compared to last year? Because there are a lot, there are some people that are saying that Elon's going to drop from second out of the playoff picture this season. That's going to tell us a lot as what they what they can do with against Furman. Didn't Furman play them in the playoffs last year? I think they did, didn't they? Yeah, I, so, th- I think that was a, a playoff match. And I think it was a rematch from the from regular exactly, season. Exactly. So and they split that series. Right. So. so that, you know, that that's a that's another good matchup because Furman is going to be good. You know, I, I like Furman. Um, 
they are one of those teams that because again, Eline and Furman have they used to be in the same conference, right? Um, so the, Furman is in South Carolina, so they they have the benefit of having the athletes to compete, and so they're going to be good this year. That's going to be an intriguing game. I'm going to go to James Madison and who they open up against. Okay, talk to me. North Carolina State. Ooh. NC State is supposed to be a top 25 team. Yeah. Got Finley coming back, the quarterback. Yeah, they lose uh, Naheem Hines in the backfield. They also lose Bradley Chubb on the defensive end. Uh, but they do have good players coming back in, in, in totality. So they are supposed to be a top 25 team. But we've seen James Madison take this. Now, this is the unique part about playing a team number in week one. You have all summer. To yep. prepare for this team, which is why you see a lot of upsets. Yep. And, you know, so the game is going to be close. Can they push through and pull off the upset? That's going to be a barometer uh, for JMU and how good they are going to be uh, breaking in the new quarterback. We know they're going to be able to run the ball. We know they're going to be able to play defense and take the ball away. But up front, will they have this, the same power? Now, they do have a tremendous pass rusher um, that's going to be that's a pro prospect in Darius Carter coming off the edge. Yes. So that's a huge game. I think that could be on our upset special list come week one with our videos. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. See, I'm, I want to talk about two barometers for programs. Delaware. Okay. Last year, some people called them a snub. They think they should have gotten in ahead of UNH. This team has got some really interesting games. There's one in September and one in October I'm looking at. The September game is pretty obvious. They're at the Fargo Dome, taking on North Dakota State. That is on November on September 22nd. But a real barometer, how they're going to do in the confidence in the conference, October 20th at UNH. UDEL versus UNH. And again, these two teams, you could have picked either one for the playoffs. I think when we were talking about this last year, I think you could easily say Delaware was a better team than UNH, especially down the stretch. This is going to be a real test for Udell. I think this if if Udell wins this game, if they go, you know, get like three or four wins in their first month or so, they win this game. They're heading to the postseason. Yeah, they're a blue blood program, and and you know, getting transferred Darius Wade coming from Boston College, huge pickup, huge pickup because again, the forward pass is legal in the state of Delaware. So <laughs> if they can if they can start throwing the ball better. They, they're going to be good defensively. They're going to probably be even losing two NFL defensive linemen. Yeah. They are going to be good defensively because of what they have in Reader and Bell, who's coming back from injury at linebacker. They're, they're going yeah. to be phenomenal defensively. Yeah. Offensively, they're going to be able to run the ball. Can they throw to break up the monotony of their run game or uh, you know loosen up the box, so to speak, or just keep teams honest? That's going to be the biggest key. Can Wade protect the ball? Can Wade keep this offense on track? That's going to be huge for them. I, I would also bring up, uh, and, and for selfish reasons, the battle of greater Baltimore between Towson and Morgan State. Why that game is Ooh. important to open the season? Because Recruit. yours truly was on the broadcast last year, and the game was at Towson, and maybe <laughs> on the broadcast this year, as the game moves to Morgan uh, State, so self promotion is just that game will me. be must see TV because again, you're gonna have to watch the broadcast because yours truly will probably be on that broadcast. Uh, well, you know what? I'm actually gonna promote a game that actually you know has some intrigue to it. Last week of the season, this is a play-in game for me. Richmond hosts Villanova. Oh wow! 
This could be, because again, Richmond has lost a lot, and we'll talk about them and Udell and what they can do to get back to the top later in the podcast. But they've lost a lot. We know what Villanova was capable of when they were at full strength. They're going to be looking to make sure, okay, people are going to recognize and respect what we can do. You get to November, I think Richmond has enough talent still left over to get six wins or seven wins to that point. Villanova's going to be right there with them. I think that's a play-in game for the playoffs. Yeah, and, and you talk about Richmond. Their first two games are interesting. They got Virginia, right? Right. So That's a winnable game. It, it really is. Yeah, I, that's I, a winnable yeah, game. It's funny how, how the mighty has fallen. At one point in time, Virginia used to be the staple of the ACC. And then they dropped down. And then the last couple of years, oh, look, Virginia's back. Nope. <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> they're all going to JMU instead. Uh, yeah, true. Yes, no. And so I, I, look at, I look at them, and then they play in the second week of the season – this is going to be a great game. They play Fordham. Interesting. Fordham travels down to Richmond. Interesting. That's going to be a hell of a game because you have the new coach and Joe Conlon who's going to do phenomenal things with Fordham. Right. Um, and you have the third year in Russ Houston's system, third or second year, uh, second year in Russ Houston's system uh, down there at, at Richmond. So, And people are going to question whether or not uh, – how can they replace Kyle Oletta, Kyle Oletta? But, you know, we, we're going to kind of get into it right now. But uh, Kevin Johnson started two playoff games for them. They beat North Carolina A&T two years ago. Yep. Then they went up to North Dakota, who had a really good football team that year. They were beating everybody up front. And Kevin Johnson led the comeback in victory. So they're in good hands with him. You know, he's a yeah. redshirt junior yes. out of Atlanta, Georgia. They, they're in good hands, and they have – Everything that you need to be good offensively, we're going to just question whether or not they have, um, you know, the the line of scrimmage play is going to be good on, on the defense side. So we'll see. And well, let's talk about one more game here because one team we really haven't mentioned so far, Stony Brook, who had a quietly an excellent season last year, really surprised some people. Again, nobody expected Elon Stony Brook to be two three right in this conference. Stony Brook's got an interesting start of the schedule as well. They started Air Force. Option football, man. Option football. But Air Force is a little bit different. The Air Force in general is a little bit different. They throw the ball a little bit more, too. They're they're weird. Air Force is weird. Shout out to Coach Calhoun, one of the best coaches out there. But then they come home to play Bryant. Who's going to be good this year? Interesting game. A young program that's really developing quickly. And then they're they're away at Fordham. That's a tough start to the schedule for Stony Brook. That's a tough travel because it, it will probably Air Force. <laughs> it will take them longer to get from Long Island to the Bronx than it would to get to Fort Collins, <laughs> and you know, especially with the way traffic is out here, <laughs> that's a long trip from Long Island to the Bronx. You know, so but yeah, that's a that's a tough three game slate, and then they come home to play Richmond and Villanova. Yikes! That's they a, may have the toughest schedule. Stony Brook, I think, because they and then they throw into that away games to UNH and JMU, and then away at Albany to end the year. Does Stony anybody Brook. come to Long Island this year? Sto- uh, let's see. Uh, home with Rhode Island. Home with Delaware. They could take the ferry over. <laughs> Just take a long distance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think Stony Brook, they had a great story last year. They're still going to be a very good team this year. They're going to have a lot of difficulty, I think, making it back to the postseason. It's going to be very, very tough for them. Very, very difficult. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking, as we said, about Richmond and Delaware Two blue blood programs who didn't quite make the grade last year, despite a ton of talent. We're going to talk about how they can get back into the conversation and into the postseason. And we're also going to talk about the living legend 
That is Coach Jimmy Laycock at William & Mary. He's going into his 39th season, folks. We're going to talk about him, his legacy, and what the future holds for this program, which, again, as you said, was the powerhouse program of FCS at the time, 1AA, uh, in this conference. So we'll discuss all of that when we come back. This, again, is the CAA Conference pregame show on the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We'll be back after this quick break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 19- Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. CSB.com. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hasegan here with the Czar of the Playbook, Emery Hunt. If you want to follow my man, Emery, don't forget to follow on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. And you can follow the shows here at the FCS Kickoff and at FCS Opening Drive. And we are on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't forget to search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Subscribe and give us that five-star rating. It is our CAA Conference pregame show this week. Going into CAA week, we got a whole bunch of shows and stuff lined up. Emery is the man with the information, so keep an eye out on Twitter and YouTube for all of that. Um, let's go into the second half of the show here, Emery, and let's talk about let's talk about legends. You can talk about legends in the co- coaching profession for any sport, um, for any really. You look at every school. You know, you have you know a Coach Woody. You know, you got a Coach Saban at Alabama. There is a living legend that is in the FCS that is in this conference that we really need to talk about, and that's Coach Jimmy Laycock, who, as we said, is going into his 39th season at William & Mary. This guy has been there since they were an independent. He's coached them through the Yankee Conference, the A-10, now into the CAA. Let's talk about this man and what his legacy really is at the school and what is a legendary program to begin with. He's really be made it what it is. Yeah, it, I mean, he's Virginia through and through. Uh, Lawton Valley High School, which is the, you know, I, I would say middle part of the state around that Richmond area, uh, just uh, south of Richmond, um, from Hamilton, Virginia, played at William & Mary, been the coach there since, what, 1980. So when you look at his record and how good he's been over time, what, 245 victories to 189 losses and we talk about in the early parts of the 80s when William and Mary was was good you know when they were on that you know for those that don't know everybody was division one up until 1978 I believe when they flipped over to the FCS one double a division one a format some teams kind of you know flirted between both and was didn't really declare until 
you know, one, let's say, for instance, William and Mary was one of those teams. Yeah. Uh, where they were considered to be both. Yeah. Right? Uh, so even then, good competitive teams, you know, that, that were really good teams that, that, you know, used to go toe to toe with your Virginia Techs and your Virginias and, you know, other teams around along the eastern, the mid-Atlantic region, like NC State, North Carolina. Um, so you respected what he was able to build there. And, and they were good and consistent for a long period of time. And, again, the last two seasons have been down years. I mean, 2015, they were in the playoffs. And then 16, they had 5-6 and six record. Then, you know, last year it was 2-9. and nine. But, I, you know, first of all, Coach Laycock looks good uh, for 70 years old. <laughs> yeah. He's still in great shape. He still wants to to continue to build this program. And, you know, to be honest, I'd say let him get to 40 years and then you let him decide what he wants to do. Um, and I think he's going to get there. And I, I do believe with the way they recruit up front, he understands this, that you build a team from the inside out. Yeah. Um, that's going to give you the chance to play consistently. I mean, we talk about how good they are on the offensive line, defensive line. They're always good at tight end, which is an extension of the line of scrimmage. Fullback play has always been good for them. They run the ball real well. Um, if, if they can, the special teams is always good. So yeah. they they are going to be a tough out for anybody. Uh, but you want to see them start to get better along the skill positions. You know, uh, they get Deadman back or uh, Devontae Deadman, the receiver returner. Um, so we'll see how that sparks the offense if they can get consistent play from the quarterback position we saw them when they had that they were in the playoffs they were five and six and yeah so when they lost that consistency at that position which is key it went downhill so I think they're going to be good they're in a good area he's a good coach he's a hall of famer um he's just one of the I think he is he is like your your Frank Beamers yeah your uh yeah. Bobby Bowden's you know for the uh you look at Solich out there, Ohio. Yeah. Um, just those staple of coach coaches. Snyder. Coach Snyder. You you like, man, this you know, you, you kinda expect him to coach every year from here on out. Here till you forever. Know. Exactly. And seventy, to be honest, you know, we, we talked we joked about I want to say two weeks ago with Jerry Glanville being the D C up there at the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and he's seventy five. So yeah. I mean, again, until you start to see this program completely fall apart which i don't think will ever happen because of you know how he's built this program and who they are um and, and where they're located yeah you know he's going to be he's going to be around for a long time and I, I just am glad to say that he is still coaching at a high level i mean this is a guy that bleeds green gold and silver the guy he was a he's an alum as well right. which i think is you know i think that we talked about this last year with some of the coaches that um moved on is that being a coach at your alma mater is an honor and some people thrive on it some people the pressure gets to them you know oh we have to play a certain way we have to play the way my coach you know taught them in the glory days this guy has taken this this program and built it into what it is he's taken them from independent status through the yankee conference through the a10 all the way to the caa um and there's nothing but respect for him from around the country, from around the other coaches in this conference. They know what what he represents, and that it's a it's an old school way of developing players, developing the game plan, developing a program, but developing young men. And I think that's the biggest lesson he can give us. You talk about his team, though, and this is something I found incredible. This was the f- last year was the first season 
ever in Coach Laycock's career that he was winless in conference play. Wow. Ever. He did not have a season like this in the Yankee Conference, the old Yankee Conference, the old A-10, or in the previous season in the CAA. So, you know, you hope that this is, you know, that was just a one-year thing. I think it was. He's had some, there have been some seasons where it's been difficult at William & Mary where they've had, you know, four-win seasons and stuff like that. But he was, you know, this is only the second time he was 2-9. and nine. So you hope that this is just a one-year blip. And uh, they've missed the playoffs the last two seasons. They've missed since 2015. They made it to the second round that year. So I think this is a team that I think you're right. I think they can turn this around. As uh, I think Coach Laycock has at least another two years. I think if it was up to him, I think he'd be there. Until, you know, he pass away on the bench. Right. Probably, like, this is a football lifer, folks, and this is a, it, it's incredible to see him still going. Um, and as you said, still looks good at his age, which is just an incredible thing. But I think William and Mary will. It's going to be a difficult season, I think, for them this year. Uh, I don't know if they're going to really. Um, be competing for a playoff spot but with coach laycock at the helm anything is possible yeah you never know man uh, again to go winless in conference like you said is unheard of for for him and for this program so obviously they want to get back into the fold and, and and be competitive and you know they have the opportunity to do that this year like i said o-line d-line is going to be good once again because that's how they are built everything will all boil down to whether or not they have the skill players to be successful because at the end of the day you have to find your way um you know to, to put points up on the board yeah now they play bucknell yeah. which is a team that's that's a mirror image of william and mary as far as how they're built that's going to be a physical game that game may be one nothing that's how <laughs> physical and tough that game is going to be impossibility but we're going to make it happen anyway but they then they also play virginia tech you know which yeah. you know Virginia Tech is, is Tech is Tech. Tech is good. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. You talk about blue blood program, programs though, and we mentioned this before we went to the break. Two blue blood blood programs. I can't speak today. You can't. I, it, it's trust me, folks. It, it was a late night. I was trying to sleep. It didn't work. Uh, but two teams that are used to being at the top of the conference that weren't last year, and that was Delaware and Richmond. Let's start with you, Dell. And let's talk about what this team needs to get to do to get back on the top because this was a good football team last year this was not a team that was like uh four you know four and seven or five and six this was a good football team and we know what coach Danny Rocco can do when he's given the time he's going into his second season we saw what he did at Richmond before this what do you think Udell needs to improve they did have the third best defense last year so where's the improvement need to come offense we joked about it beforehand can they put points up on the board man that's going to be their – I'm talking about from the passing game. Yeah. Because when you are limited in throwing the ball, people can come in with a game plan and say, okay, we know what we have to do to stop this football team, put them in third and long situations or even second and long situations and get them to break their tendency. So I think if they can just improve a smidge in the passing game, overall they can be completely better. Like I said before, Troy Reader, Charles Bell, two of the best linebackers in the FCS – Defensively, they're going to be phenomenal. They got a good secondary. They're going to be good. Offensively, can they be a, can they be good enough to where teams have to, you know, can't just fully sell out versus the run? And if they can do that, they have the experience, you know, second year in this in this system um, with the defense and with the special teams that they have. Delaware, I could see why people are high on Delaware. 
because it's not they're not that far off. They were good last year. Yeah. They can be even better this year, but they just have to get a little bit better offensively. And we t- you talked about as well the big story, the transfer of Boston College quarterback Darius Wade um, is going to be, I think, a, a key factor. As you said, he's, he's probably going to take the reins at this point. Um, for this program, you've got a lot of lineman talent that came in in this year's recruiting class as well. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting, you know, interesting way to see how they're going to play this. Um, but I, I think Delaware, when it comes to, they have to find a balanced offense. That's the biggest thing. I think that they were a little bit too much reliant on one thing or another during games. They have to come up with more of a balanced attack this year. Um, like you said, third best defense in the country, in the conference last year. They were tremendous on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the passing game. They have a tremendous secondary. Um, I really think Udell could be – I don't know if they're going to challenge JMU. Not yet. Give them another couple of years for that. But I think they are a postseason team this year. They are a top 25 team for sure. They yes. may even be a top 15 team. This is a team that also has 30-plus seniors. So very experienced group. Um, a lot of juniors as well. So this team has a lot of experience. Uh, you talk about tight end. Charles Scaff, Scarf, I'm sorry, is one of the best tight ends in the country, a pro prospect. Um, the quarterback players should be improved. Uh, the running game is going to be the running game with Delaware and what they have already on the roster. Defensively, like I said before. So, yes, this is a top 15 team. Now, can they handle expectations because they're so high? When, when you look at their schedule – and you talk about who Delaware faces in the opener and, and who um, some of their big games on the schedule. I'm looking at their schedule now. They got Rhode Island. They got Lafayette. They got Cornell. Um, conceivably, all three winnable games. So right. they could be 3-0 and heading into that big game you talked about earlier against North Dakota State. And that's against North Dakota State, you have to have – first of all, we can't overlook, obviously, the three teams that they're playing. Yeah. Uh, Cornell can put up points. Uh, Lafayette is going to be very good this year. Yes. There were a lot of freshmen played last year, and they were on the brink of the playoffs. We talked, we, you know, we joked about that. Uh, <sighs> <Patriot> <laughs> right? They did uh-huh. have the chance to get to the playoffs in the final week of the season, but um, and uh, you know, Rhode Island is going to be competitive, so you can't overlook those guys. Plus, it's a week one game for 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 them. Um, so yes, that, they're going to be ready to play. I don't know if Rhode Island plays them in the op- I know that's Delaware's opener. But Rhode Island's opener is against, yeah, Delaware. So they have all summer to prep for that. So those are going to be interesting games. But obviously the big one you circled is against North Dakota State. And for for that, against the Bison, you have to have your complete game working. Right. Everything has to work because North Dakota State is good in all three facets. They can throw. They can run. They play defense. They have great special teams. And they will expose you. That's exactly. The thing. So that that's why I'm looking at that game to see how complete Delaware is going to be down the stretch, because the CAA can do the same thing. You play some of these CAA programs, they will expose you if they see a weakness. That's why that game is important. Speaking of a weakness, you don't think it's going to be a weakness though? Is that's going to be for Richmond at the quarterback position? You mentioned that they have a replacement in the wings for Kyle Laletta, who's now playing for the Giants. How does Richmond go? You know, keep the momentum going. They were first in total offense, second in points per game last year and missed the postseason. Now they've lost their NFL quarterback. How do they fully, you know, continue this momentum? Kevin Johnson, quarterback. He redshirted last year, I believe, because he didn't – he was supposed to redshirt the year he had to step in for Kyle Laletta 
Right. That's what people forget. Second okay. week bef- before the season, you know, they, they were going to the playoffs. The uh, second and last game of the regular season, Laletta gets hurt. Or gets hurt in that final game, I believe. Yeah. And then going into the playoffs, it was like, wait a minute, A and T may actually have a shot. They have Tariq Cohen, good football team, no Kyle Loletta. How they're going to respond? In steps Kevin Johnson, and he takes them past that game. Plays great, but then goes into North Dakota, who was okay. Well, North Dakota is going to take care of business because they're they're a very good team. Uh, John Santiago running the ball, they're going to be great. And they got up big in that game. Richmond had to come back. Kevin Johnson led the comeback. Last year, a healthy Loletta. Johnson did not appear in the game. I'm pretty sure he's going to get that, that year back, that redshirt year, which is great because now they're going to have two seasons of his play. Yep. And he already has big game experience. Not just, you know, uh, game against a throwaway opponent in week one um, that yep. way everybody gets some reps before you can steal a redshirt. They had to win games with him. So he was thrown into the fire against in, play, in the playoff in the playoffs. So he went 2-1 two, two in the playoffs and then redshirted last year, and now he's back as a starter. So he has all the confidence in the world. I, I don't think they miss a beat um, really? at that position. They're good at receiver. They're they're going to be good in the secondary. Yep. Um, defensive line, I, I you know. They have to improve in the running defense, though. Right. They, they gave up a lot against the run, but I do know the defensive line coach down there, Kerry Bailey, one of the best defensive line coaches. He won't stand for that. No, no. No one Coach Bailey. Coach Bailey won't stand for that. That team is already going to be better defensively up front. Um, but I don't think they miss a beat at quarterback, man. I think Johnson is going to be good for it. That's going to be the biggest story we're going to be talking about midseason. Mm-hmm. Like, man, look how good Richmond is and look how good uh, Kevin Johnson is playing. And and people are like, oh, well, that can't work. You can't have a guy that just comes in as a replacement. He was just hot. He had, you know, he got boosted up by his coach. Talk to North Dakota State about that. They had this guy, remember, Easton Stick? Oh, yeah. Remember him, yeah, how kinda he kind of, you know, stepped into the playoffs, led them to a national championship game or yeah. close to it, and then kind of won the national championship last year? Yeah. I'm just saying, do we think Richmond is going to be a national championship contender, though? No, I don't think so. But are they a playoff team? Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> definitely. They're, I, yeah. I would even, they're a top 25 team. Woof. You call, how big is your top 25, by the way? Because I think we're three 40 teams. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, I think we're three conferences in and we've gotten to at least 30 at this point. We still haven't gotten to the Missouri Valley, and I know we're going to put at least three Pioneer League teams in there, right? Absolutely. You already know. It's the top 25 will have 40 teams in it. All right. And with that in mind, let's move on to the final section, the hot takes. Yes, I cannot wait. Let me get this thing kicked off. I know you got a flambe take over there, but I'm going to get this one kicked off. I think – and. Maybe maybe it's a hot take to everybody, okay, but not to me. Right, Rhode Island will not finish last in the CAA <laughs> this year. They there were you go three with the Rams and eight. again. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, last year they were playing close games. Confidence is everything. They were in some close games against some big dogs last year too, and so I think with that confidence, they have a really good wideout. That's a junior, Aaron Parker who's a pro prospect, but he's a junior, so he's, he has another year. So Rhode Island will be better than they were last year. They won't finish last. like uh, uh, They didn't finish last last year, and this will be the second year in a row they don't finish last. I think Rhode Island will be good. That's one hot take. Okay, I, I'll, I'll give you that one. That, that, one, that one wasn't bad. Not bad, not bad. We mentioned Maine earlier in the show. Okay. We said they're going to have a lot of replacements. They did have an NFL draft pick on the O-line. 
I also mentioned that they had the only 1,000-yard rusher in all of, F- all of the CAA last year. UMaine not only beats New Hampshire week one, they finish higher them than them in the standings at the end of the season. I think UMaine has a better record at the end of the year than New Hampshire. Wow. That's my hot take because I think they're young. They've got a ton of raw talent, a ton of raw talent. And again, you talk about Josh Mack, he's only becoming a junior. He's still got two more years to develop, and he was always already at 1,300 yards. You've got really young players on the defensive side of the ball. If they can replace the O-line, which we said earlier in this conference is easy to do. These, all these teams have really good O and D-line. UMaine has the pieces in place where that they can not only just be a fly-in-the-ointment team like they were last year, they can win some ball games against opponents that people aren't expecting. UMaine finishes higher than New Hampshire. But do they finish first? I'm not saying they finish first. So you so once again you're giving a You really think people are gonna are gonna think, oh yeah, definitely you you think more people are thinking UMaine's definitely gonna beat New Hampshire? Come on now. Nah, you you got a point. But that, that's a hot take. That okay. Yeah, that that yeah, that For me that's a hot that's take. That's a hot okay. <laughs> For uh, me that's I got a hot you. Take. I got you. Touche. I will say this though. Uh this may not be a hot take though. Okay. Villanova could no, nah, I'm not gonna put that that uh, 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 man, uh yeah. say it say, say, I say it say it Villanova will be first in the CAA whoa 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 whoa, whoa. put that in your pipe and smoke <laughs> J- the Twitterverse at JMU is going bananas right now at F-Ball game plan <laughs> <laughs> Villanova is finishing first in the CAA ahead of back-to-back championship game participants one championship, one runner-up. You really think that's possible? Listen, man. <laughs> let me give you some. Let me let me give you some facts. Hit right. with the knowledge. Last year, GMU blew them out, thirty to eight. But we know how Villanova was out there with me and you at on, on the field. <laughs> so they were depleted. Mike Mike McCarthy at D line. Yeah, but and Mike Mike is built like a D like these new age D linemen, and it's all around the middle. You'd be good. You'd be good. For- <laughs> It's all around the middle. He'd, he'd be good for nine or ten sacks. Yeah, he'd be good for nine or ten sacks. I can see Mike being disruptive force on the interior. But so last year they were injured. You know, they lost that Rhode Island too. But I, I just I just made the case for the Rams being a good team. That's a big win for the Rams. Okay. And so now you get a healthy Big Narzik, you get a healthy Rob Roll, you get man, they do lose two corners. Um, two pro players in Malik Reeves and also Trey Johnson. See? Don't matter. Don't matter. They get a quarterback back, JMU breaking a new quarterback. And also, Villanova is always good up front. There were a lot of injuries. Okay. And here's the thing. They have a great chance of building momentum before they play JMU in the middle season. Let me look at this schedule for this year. Because, you know, sometimes you got to break out the facts. So, Temple, Lehigh, Towson, Bucknell. So, they're going to – wow. Stoney, Maine. Okay. So, they're going to be in a physical discussion against Temple, Towson, Bucknell, Stoney, Maine. That's fighting your way through the ranks as far as, like, a heavyweight title fight. All right. October 13th, they play JMU in, uh, at home. Now, Grant, I'm I'm of the mindset that home in the way doesn't matter. But last year they played in Harrisonburg. This year they're playing at home. 
Um, that game is going to be packed. I think Villanova has, with everyone returning, Villanova is going to be really good this year. And talk about that. You got those those three games. I think they can win five, at least four games out of those first six that you were talking about, from mm-hmm. Temple game all the way down to the main game. The three games after that, home with JMU, bye week, home with UNH, at Richmond. That's going to decide a lot of where Villanova is going to finish. They need that bye week after JMU. And especially when you have New Hampshire coming in next. Right. But you said main – I mean – I, you you well, just I, said you I, just I said four to four wins out of the first six. I didn't tell you which two they were going to lose. Ah, now you're getting hot. Now now, now you take your shirt off. I think I think they lose to Temple because Temple is a very good program. I think they can develop that. It's a rivalry game, so that's all the way is up in the air. I think they beat Lehigh. Towson, I think is a win. Bucknell, I think is going to be a win. Now you now you do realize this is recorded, right? So we can easily play this back. That's fine. Okay, keep going. I'll leave the last two games to your description. Ah, you, you, <laughs> excellent way to punk out. All I'm all I'm saying is they're at Orono. We had a long discussion about, but it's not November. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I was up there and it snowed in late March. We got a blizzard in late March. It doesn't matter that they're playing October sixth. There could be a foot of snow on the ground in or- in Orono. I can tell oh, you. Oh wow, right they now. they travel to to Long Island to play Stony Brook. It's a seven hour trip. <laughs> 95 Turnpike Parkway Manhattan It's like 2 million dollars In tolls they gotta pay My goodness They're gonna turn the bu- They're gonna have to walk home They're gonna have exactly. to use the bus To pay for the tolls <laughs> Emery talk, Let's talk to the people now We got a whole CAA week coming up Tell them what you got Coming up this week Well we have A look at, And I always love Doing these videos We're looking at The high school talent Coming in The recruiting roundup video So that's gonna be first Looking at some of the Top recruits that these guys are bringing into the program. Th- those are always fun to do uh, because you get a, a sneak peek at some of the upcoming stars in the CAA. So that's going to be one video. Then we're going to break into our uh, NFL draft prospect watch list. Now, granted, it's not the full list, but these are some of the guys that I already have earmarked on my preseason watch list going into the season. And we're going to add some more throughout the season, uh, maybe even take some guys off, but add some more. Uh, so that's something to watch for as well. Then finally, the end of the week, we'll put out our full team-by-team uh, team whip around, which will include our preseason all-CAA team, um, big storylines heading into the CAA, and a team-by-team team preview uh, that'll wrap up CAA week. So definitely follow along. And I'm, by the way, we didn't say it before, I think another four teams get in from the CAA this year at the playoffs. That's that's not a hot take. No, I'm just that's saying. That's a realistic I, take. I, well, I'm not being hot take. I'm, we want to know how many playoff teams are getting in. I'm saying four. You're saying four. Four again. Oh, wow. All right, well. You know what? I can, I can see that. I, I say four too. I, I, I could definitely see that. And let's and let's let's talk about one else. of them. Main. Yes. Hey, that's dead solid. Oh, so you, yes. Okay, so you got Maine making the playoffs. Maine is the fourth team in. Ooh, I like it. On the bubble, like beginning it. with seven wins. I gotta drink some water. That that's hot. <laughs> I like it. Let's let's talk about two. We got some. Uh, you had some knowledge of something that's going to be uh, popping up on FCS stats. One of our ideas might be coming to fruition thanks to our friend uh, Mr. Craig Haley at uh, FCS Stats talking about uh, not playoffs, but what's the other form of postseason play? Bowl games. And shout out to Craig Haley once again. Uh, best FCS writer there is. 100%. You know, 100%. So we talked about the bowl games. And you can find our old podcast. We were talked about the idea. But Craig's going to lay it out perfectly, the strengths and weaknesses. But even if we use our formula, right? Yep. 
you had four teams that made the playoffs in James Madison, Stoney, Elon, New Hampshire. Bowl game participants from last year would have been Delaware and Richmond. Yeah. They would have got postseason games. We would have had we had, would have had bowl game teams coming out of the Ivy. Yeah. Which probably could have beaten some people. Let's be honest. This the Ivy was a great conference last year. Oh man. And we get to talk about them next week. It was wide open. We literally, there were five teams going into the final week, folks, that could have won the Ivy League title last year. Ivy was popping last year, man. So next week, that's what we got coming up. We got the Ivy League. We'll talk about well, does Colum- how does Columbia follow up their incredible season? Have you the seen their recruiting class? I, that, this is back-to-back recruiting cycles that Columbia has put in work. Columbia, take the doormat and throw it into the dumpster. You're not that anymore. Can Yale follow up with back-to-back seasons? How does Harvard come back? Do we see Dartmouth and Penn, who were tremendous last year, and lying quietly in New Jersey, Princeton? Consistently good. So that's all going to be coming up next week. we got the Ivy League. The week after that, we got the MEAC. We're going to talk about Bethune-Cookman. We're going to be talking about Howard. We should be talking about Hampton, but, well, we talked about that earlier. Wow. And then we have the Missouri Valley football conference we know it's a football conference why do you have to say it twice missouri valley that is in three weeks folks so we got some we got it's going to be going on all summer shout out to wichita state they should be in the missouri valley football conference (laughs) just throwing it out there too (laughs) all right we can take wichita state we'll talk about wichita state but ivy league next week it's going to be a packed in show it's going to be wide open we've had a lot of uh, experience with the ivy league and what they're planning to do they got some interesting hype games that are going to be playing now going to baseball stadiums and Potential They're postseason good, play I, and yeah, hey, just, you know. just saying, I, I, I'm not saying that if Yale had played UNH in a play-in game last season, they would have won. Oh, you really you you are you don't have to go to New Hampshire anytime soon, right? <laughs> uh, well, the the slogan is "Live free or die," so I'm gonna see see how see how easy it is to produce a hot take. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just saying that's a fact. Wait, to take that's a fact. I mean, they lost to Dartmouth, uh, what, two years ago? Or lost. was it last year? They got shut up by Albany last year. You know, so, I I'm mean, just saying Yale. It's not, it's not as hot of a take. Uh, a Yale-UNH game would have been competitive last year. That's all I'm saying. So we'll talk about that all next week. Emery, again, thanks so much. Do you have any, are you traveling anywhere, by the way? You got a, you always got a meeting or two. Uh, let's see what I got on the schedule. Nothing, man. I'm honestly uh, pumping out these videos. I, I might try to now i do have some open invites out there to certain schools just waiting to hear back cornell <clears throat> um they can reply back and uh i can go up there and we can film a are they loving leaving you on red they're leaving me on red unread uh, you know so we got to get cornell to respond so i can get up there and produce a video great great school up there great area to it Ithaca. yeah and you know i want to i want to get those guys on on a schedule and meet with their coach uh, coach archer uh who else i have out there i have some some Division two uh, programs in the fire, but this week I'm I'm stationed. I'm here, so you're slacking. I'm I, I'm unread. <laughs> I'm in I'm in people's unread folder. Maybe I'm in the spam folder. I don't know. I would be in the spam folder. Maybe I should pick up the phone and call. Maybe people. Maybe Cornell doesn't have email. I think Cornell has email. I don't just make sure you never. They're know. Ivy. I mean, they I'm are leaving Ivy all League. options open. They are Ivy League. They may have some technology that we haven't heard of yet that's replaced. They email. could be that's even be. here in the studio watching this whole thing, right? Hi, Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks, that'll do it for us for the CAA preview. Again, keep an eye out on football game plan on social media and on YouTube for the videos for the full preview team by team. 
pro prospects. We're going to be looking at the recruiting bases next year. Next week, we're going to be back with the Ivy League. We'll be talking about that conference. Emery, thanks as always. A great podcast. This has been David Hashagan. Folks, thanks for listening.